0: Welcome to the Colby Cast, episode 57. Glad you could join us. Today, Bonnie interviews Margaret Fea, a homeschooling mother of 14 children and a true success story of home education. If ever you need encouragement in your decision to educate at home, this is the episode for you. Please remember to reach out to us at podcast at colby.org and sit back, relax, and enjoy
1: Hi there, I'm Bonnie, liturgical musician, popcorn and podcast fanatic, and Colby homeschooling mom to four lads and lasses of middle and high school age. And I'm Jordan.
0: As a product of homeschooling, I'm proud to teach Greek and Latin for Colby online and serve as the Alumni and Public Relations Director.
1: It's my pleasure to speak with Mrs. Margaret Faye. Welcome to the Colby Cast. Thanks so much for coming to visit with me.
0: Thank you for having me. It's really an honor to be here and speak about my experience with Colby and, I, and my children have been successful because of Colby's.
1: I'm delighted to hear that and I'm looking forward to hearing about your experience. Would you tell us a bit about yourself and your family?
0: Yes, I'm Mar- my name is Margaret Daya, and I'm married to my husband of 36 years. Together, we have 14 children, 10 daughters, four sons, ages 18 to 34, and my bachelor's of science degree in accounting, and my husband has his bachelor's of science degree in accounting, along with his JD. We're business owners in the financial industry. I'm a stay-at-home mom after working full-time in my field while my husband attends law school. By the time my husband graduated law school, we were expecting our third child. I homeschooled for over 25 years. Our youngest just graduated high school. and will be attending a local university for nursing in the honors program. We live in the northeastern part of the country and have access to a great many excellent universities. So we recommend that our children choose one within driving distance and live at home, which so far 10 have done and four currently currently not with the exception of one daughter who had a brief stay on campus that only lasted one semester. We wanted our children to be involved with our family life as much as possible, and so we recommended that they live at home. Sometimes, not always, though, living at a university can be a suspended state of adolescence. Young adults are all sequestered together, mostly with persons around the same age and few with any wise life experiences. My husband and I never thought we would homeschool, as we both had university degrees and was working as professionals in our field. I always did want a large family, and we had hoped that once my husband completed law school, he would be able to support us. I knew I'd have to trust in God, and there were times when I had to resist the urge to go back to work. (laughs) Mm
1: -hmm. That
0: can be hard, but I knew if I was faithful, I felt that God would be faithful to me. Mm -hmm. We moved to an area that was mostly rural, but by the time my oldest went to school, our area and school district was experiencing residential My two oldest children started out in Catholic school for first grade and kindergarten, but I was notified by the school that they would not guarantee a spot for my other children, even though the two eldest were students. So I took my children out of the Catholic school and placed them in public school so all the children could attend the same school. Girls weren't in public school a month when the first grade teacher read two stories from the Bible and told my daughter that was an example of fiction. I was perplexed that she chose Bible stories when there was all fictional literature to choose from. I began to search for alternatives to send the children, but there weren't any. I happened to read an article in my local paper on homeschooling. The article mentioned that there were a thousand families in the area that were homeschooling, so I knew others were having similar problems as myself. I contacted one of the persons mentioned in the article a Christian minister who was very helpful in giving me information on programs, books, homeschool meetings, and other parents who would be willing to speak with us, it was recommended I try a Christian program with a start-to-finish instructions, which included complete books and materials. This was in the 90s when ordering books would, had to be done with ISBN numbers, and those suppliers only allowed actual schools to order books. The program was good but lacked in a Catholic theological base and my children therefore had to attend CCD to receive the sacraments. I searched and found Colby. Maybe it was on the internet, or maybe it was a homeschool for sure. I was not not sure how I found it. But what captured my attention was that Colby is authentically Catholic and uses a classical approach to education. I stayed with Colby over 20 years because of its Catholic advisors, faculty, and staff who truly live their faith, as shown by their willingness to listen and help, and because they come to know and care about each student they are advising and every family in their program.
1: Fantastic. I love hearing your family's story and how you came to Colby and the homeschooling life and how well it has worked for you. I know our listeners will agree with me in finding this very interesting, hearing your perspective as you've been homeschooling these many years many of us being at the beginning or in the middle of it, so having your long view of it is so so helpful to us. I'd love to hear more about homeschooling a large family.
0: Colby had the wealth of knowledge on every subject, literature, history, science, art, even music, but most of all, theology was beyond compare. We used the full homeschool program, mostly because of the number of children I have and my husband's schedule. He traveled extensively internationally and nationally in the early years um, when we were homeschooling and our children were young for weeks at a time. So I wanted him and the children to spend quality time together when he was home and the homeschool program gave us the flexibility to take the time off when he was home. I did try the online program. And while I think it's an excellent program and there's definitely a need for it, particularly at this time, it was a little difficult for us to continue because of the number of children we had and the different ages.
1: I bet there are many listening who are really intrigued by how you made this work with the with your family and your husband traveling and all of those factors that can really stymie people. How do we even make this work? So hearing how you do it is so interesting. I'd love to hear more. So some of the
0: um, things that we did, like the habits that we have, I think good habits come from the virtue of obedience through discipline. I was always an organized person and had the ability to keep to a rather vigorous schedule. At the start of every school year, I rode out and kept visual for the children to see a daily schedule that we kept to. Our day started with daily mass at 8 a.m. before we back for home. And before we went back to mass, all our morning chores were done. The children were dressed, beds were made, and the upstairs bedrooms were picked up. When we arrived home from mass, we ate breakfast, I would start the laundry, and we started our schoolwork work I always had as our first class theology. I have a saying everything one needs to know is in theology knowledge about God, our life goals, logic and right reasoning, which helps us with math and science, and even our history. So I'd like to always have that on. not saying that there weren't days where you'd only get to Mass and maybe get theology. Kids could get sick, something unexpected could happen, but they were kept to a minimum, I would say. Next, we've completed our math, our phonics, spelling, and English. Then we would break for lunch. I'd like to get those subjects in in the morning um, because I think that, like, math needs a little bit better concentration, phonics, especially when the children are younger. In the older grades, I kind of put in the syllabus those subjects in that order. But in high school, I kind of left it to the children to pick where they wanted what they wanted to do first. Okay. Um, so after our, we completed our those morning subjects, I would break for lunch. And at that time, I'd use that as the opportunity to feed the children lunch, switch over the laundry, feed the baby, and put all those little ones up for a nap. And the older children have 30-minute recess or some time to themselves, and I do a few chores. And then in the afternoon, we do our history and science. And then on Fridays, we always do music and art. At 3 p.m., we put the school books away. The children, the little ones, would be down from their their nets and we'd say our rosary. But every two weeks, we would finish early with schoolwork on a Friday and thoroughly clean the house. And you'd kind of do a bi weekly shopping just to keep organized. Everyone helped with household duties to all the children. I had 10 daughters, so it was a little bit easier. So I would assign them a room or a task, and that would be theirs. My son did help with the chores. Um, my four sons, I should say, but my oldest son came after four daughters, and then four other daughters were born after him.
1: <laughs>
0: okay, <laughs> but he learned he learned to do a lot of the, a lot of the tasks. Um, I always did all the bathrooms and kitchens until the children really got into their teen years, and I was the only one that tended to. T- do the baby, um, things with the baby. I changed all the diapers, did all the feedings. So we never had a problem that I had worries that if a small child was with a baby. I just didn't leave that to chance. Okay. When I got older, when the girls were 16, they might do a bottle or, or anything like that. I also am a little leery about letting small children hold babies. So I just never, routinely did not do that. Um, some of the other things that I always did do was careful about cleaning products. This is just a little side note. I always kept them put away in a locked cabinet. Just oh, and a high, high so the children couldn't reach those questions. So I think all parents know, but when you're home all day, you do have to be a little bit more mindful than that and you might otherwise have to be if the children went off school. So oh, I think that's kind of important. So
1: our successes were
0: Small at first, like getting a full day in and completing the school year on time. But with years of dedication and keeping to the schedule, the schedule morphed into 10 children so far have graduated college with honors. Some with dual majors, most with advanced degrees. All have worked as professionals in their fields, such as accounting, engineering, education, nursing, and art. My youngest four will be in college this year. I'll have one senior, twins, in sophomore year, and my youngest will be a freshman. But the best success is, is seeing them live their vocation. Seven are married with children. They are daily living their Catholic faith and passing it on to their children in a world where it's becoming increasingly harder to do so. Some of my favorite memories are just the everyday ones of having spent every day with your children, helping them to learn, have fun, and just feel love. Like the voices in the opening line of the May Alcott's Little Woman, where you hear the four sisters talking I too can picture the voices of my children playing with each other. Everything was so much more vivid and lasting in my mind's memory because we were together all the time and never felt rushed. I remember making Halloween costumes for them, baking for Thanksgiving, decorating for Christmas, fasting through rent lent, the arrival of Easter Sunday with the all dressed for mass. I remember them all painting with their easels in the backyard picnics in the front yard with their dolls and teddy bears, trips to museums, and vacations spent making religious pilgrimages around the country to Canada. And at some point, my husband even got to Europe with the children. We always centered our vacations around a religious destination, usually to a cathedral in an area. And that would be an area typically that would have a lot of culture, a lot of art, and a lot of historical things. So I think that made for a good vacation. But the premise of it always was on a religious aspect, always a religious pilgrimage. And then from there, once we accomplished that or, you know, once we saw this beautiful cathedral and, you know, set our prayers, attended, we would attend daily mass. We, we would move out and see the area, the town or the city and go to art museums and go to historic sites. Wow, that's wonderful. So that's what homeschooling allows you to do. That's not I you to do that. I remember our simple daily midday walks around our neighborhood, the recesses in the backyard, and even the times we spent our 15 passenger van read reading our lessons, talking, and maybe shutting our eyes for a few minutes while another child took the piano, violin, harp, flute lesson. Some people want to go backwards sometimes because they feel they missed out. I don't.
1: <laughs> <laughs> move forward.
0: <laughs> yeah. Because my children continue to amaze me as they live out their vacation and carry on our Catholic family traditions. I think it's a testament to my husband, myself, and Colby that we raise them in the way of God. Mm-hmm,
1: for sure. Fidelity, such faithfulness and perseverance. You've demonstrated obedience yourself and continued service day in, day out, and, and the priorities you had in place to see that through. What a witness. Wow. That is wonderful to hear. So many different practical aspects that are going to be so helpful to, to hear. It's always interesting to hear how people accomplish such great work and the, the day in, day out things that tend to trip us up. So, um, along with that, were there other obligations that you needed to tend to as well?
0: Yeah, during the years I chose my outside obligations carefully, usually centered around the children. When the children were in CCD, I taught other children in grades second to seven that had never received any sacraments. When my sons played soccer and baseball, we volunteered at the field. We helped out at homeschool events when it came time to take the SAT. I had my degree, I could be a monitor. So, we had a homeschool group that came together, and um, people who were professionals in their areas with degrees would teach science lessons. They would go to local high schools and they would print out or to use the science lab at night. So, for my part, I would be able to be a monitor for the um, SAT Okay. So, um, I love to paint and draw and projects around the home sufficed as my hobby at that time. One of the biggest projects that we ever took home was opening our own business and leaving the world of being an employee. At that time, I just had my 14th child. So it was it was a difficult time, but we're glad we made that um, move because it freed my husband up to be home a lot more. During the evenings when my children were in bed. Um, I would be quiet and I could read some books on saints, say a rosary, or just read books in general that I liked. As my children grew, we'd have some special time with each one, allowing them to take turns staying up later. I had my children read books on particular saints that had special meaning for them. I then choose books that were more advanced in their age. They were were always religious books or literature, good literature. And we would take turns reading paragraphs because they were a little more difficult. My oldest daughter loved St. Therese, and so we read Story of the Soul. After that, we read Story of the Family, which is about Saint Marie Oz, the mother who raised the greatest saint of modern times. I was so taken by her sacrificial life in the service of her family that it wasn't long before I realized she would be canonized by Saint. So I need my ninth daughter, Osley, in anticipation of her canonization. It didn't occur to my daughter was 15, but it did happen along with her husband. They were the first couple that had to be canonized as a husband and wife. So I would definitely recommend The Story of the Family to all moms because Osley was so inspiring that the nuns in the convent her daughters attended were said to have read her letters if their daughters had them. So I think that was a very inspiring book for me. Um, and I thought she was a really good example of motherhood.
1: Definitely. In the time when you were serving in your parish and on all the other ways, yeah, I'm sure you came into contact with lots of other young families. What words of wisdom did you pass along to them then or would you now?
0: And one of the things I come in contact with is a lot of young um, moms who would like to have a large family, have children, stay at home, and they're worried about finances, so they ask me that a lot and of course they're looking at an older mom and you know you do finally arrive at your destination point but i think as an accountant when i was younger i quickly realized and i tell a lot of young couples today that our fixed expenses which are really our largest have nothing to do with how many children we have the mortgage health insurance and car loans are all fixed regardless of how many children we have it's the things like food and clothing that we need for our children, but we can control that. Um, You know, we can make choices there that um, are good, good choices, but you know, they don't need designer clothes and certain toys to play with. And as we're in different times in our life, like if we want to sign them up for different activities and all, we can limit that or increase that. So our fixed expenses are the expenses that really have nothing to do with raising a large family. Some um, homeschool families will cook two weeks worth of meals over a whole weekend or a month's worth of meals or wait and do all of their laundry on a Saturday. I didn't do that. I did the laundry every day and I cooked every day and it helped me keep better organized and on schedule. I didn't want to spend my entire weekend and cook two weeks worth of meals and lose that time with the children. So this way I would stop at three o'clock to make dinner and I usually set something up the night before in the refrigerator before for the dinner. And I didn't want to do laundry all day on a Saturday. So I did our laundry every day and it would be generally about five loads of laundry with four children. It could be five or six loads of laundry. So I would usually start with my oldest and I would, you know, go over what she had to do um, in one particular subject, move on to the next, spend a few minutes with her, move on to the next and next, set them about their work, and then I would get up and I would switch the laundry over, fold a quick pile of laundry, or empty the dishwasher, or but at three o'clock every day I would stop and we would we would get dinner on. Some people have go you know, through homeschooling all day long, but I think that depends on the family's need, if that may that may be the case. But in our case, I just felt it kept us to a better schedule.
1: Sure, and that's helpful. We typically have a, a stop time. It's helpful to us to have that in mind, like we're gonna keep at it until this point if, if, or unless we finish before that. But then we have other things to do as well and it helps to keep that structure. I think every, everyone has a sense of what's going on and that helps us focus on the task at hand when it's time to do that, right? Instead of it all kind of running together.
0: Yeah. And I I think it's more like real life. It's really how life is. Um, You know, you have to stop for doctor's appointments, dentists. And it just, yeah, I think it teaches the children and as young adults um, how to be TS oriented, to pay attention to their time and to not try to do everything all at once.
1: Definitely. I'm sure that serves them very well now. I can remember being a young mom, really finding the experience of moms a few years down the road for me so so helpful we we've talked before on on previous episodes ways to kind of organize ourselves and meal planning or how to divvy up housework and and get all these things done but it's just hearing how someone else does it is also so helpful so as your children have finished their Kobe experience and moved on to university life how has their experience been um, academic wise they're all quite accomplished how did that transition go for them?
0: Actually, when I first started homeschooling, I knew I would do it for the eighth grade, up to eighth grade. And at first, my children were complaining a little, you know, they wanted to have friends, but we had a large family, had a lot of siblings and their sisters and brothers became their best friends. And I said to them, I said, when it comes time for high school, I'll let you choose. You can go to high school or I'll homeschool. And my oldest daughter, who when it came time to choose, she says, well, you know, I want to be homeschooled. i you know, ahead of everyone. I know they took dance lessons. They had music lessons. They had activities that were outside of the home. We always did do that. And so I was kind of surprised. So I said, OK, so we continued on homeschooling for her. My second daughter came up and she was always very vocal. She was going to go to high school, definitely. And so when I said to her, you know, do you want to go to high school or do you want to be homeschooled? She said, I don't know why you're pushing me in school. I wanted to be homeschooled. It came as a surprise. I did worry when we when it came time for college, if they were prepared. Did they have enough information? and we don't covered all the areas that we needed to do? How would they perform in science? Um, I was an accountant, so I was okay, math. But science was a little concerning with labs. Um, you know, like I said, we did have a local homeschool group that did coordinate a number of parents and someone who was in the science field did do some labs. But I was was concerned. So especially when it came time for the SAT, my oldest daughter just kind of walked into the SAT without any preparation because I didn't realize at the time that in high school, the students were now taking a semester to do SAT prep. So I kind of just gave her a little book on SAT and she did it in her spare time and we sat her off and she actually done quite well, I thought, at the time for not having had any sub any a subject on it or any class on it. At the time, the highest level we could get was 1600 and I think she scored like above 12. So we were kind mm-hmm. of pleased for our first time and just walking in kind of without any advanced preparation. Although when we picked her up. Up. She had been talking to other students. She was kind of flustered. And she said to me, they are taking a class for a semester on SAT prep. So okay. we learned about that. And we did inquire more about SAT prep. At first, we were using one of the um, programs that were out there. We mm-hmm. also did continue to buy the books on SAT um, prep. We've also had times taken the act. Um, and I think in our area, the SAT was at first preferred. But on the ACT, we also found that different children did better on the ACT than they would do on the SAT. Some did better on the SAT, but they all got good scores. And so um, Colby did give them more than enough preparation. Over and above, I would say, because all my children would receive the highest academic scholarship that the university offered. And that was based on their academics. And many of them were in the honors program. So it's a little worrisome when they're in the honors program uh, because they have to complete certain, certain courses in that program and and maintain a certain grade level. But many of them were able, able to do that. So yes, that was a concerning time, but I started to feel more relaxed once I had like my fifth or sixth in school. (laughs) Um, And then driving back and forth, it can, because they do um, have the children They're pushing the activities on campus more and more later and later in the day because they have these group of students that are on campus all day. So um, I did find that hard, but my children did still manage to, the girls did join um, sororities. Uh, Three of them did want to be a part of a sorority. So we selected those carefully. Um, Some of my students were, um, some of my students, my children, were president uh, of the accounting society. And my other and two of my daughters were nurses, um, were president of their nursing societies. So they did get to participate. It does take more effort, more time on campus, more mom and dad staying up later waiting for them to get in. But it can be done.
1: I'm soaking it up. This is, this is kind of <laughs> here. You were also mentioning on the difficult days, mass and theology and Tell me, tell me more about that. How handling those days that, in spite of all of your best efforts, planning and organization and and structure and everything, they don't go to plan. How what were your strategy was for those?
0: Yeah, there. At first, I was nervous um, because you feel like you have to get this class, all well, this classroom work in, um, and then you have, you know, you have the laundry and the babies. Um, I had fourteen children in sixteen years. So they were all um, very close. And I would say I was very busy. Um, so I, at first, I, I, I would worry. But then I started to allow myself the idea that I would just keep moving along, just keep eat, taking each day as it came. And I figured we always attended Mass. I always tried to hold on to that. There were times that when the children would wake up sick, we might not be able to attend that. But we could say a rosary um, or we could say the Divine Mercy Chaplet. Some days we would start our day and it was getting really well and something would come up and I'd only gotten theology or maybe math and I would just allow myself to feel good about that as long as I, the next day I picked up and I didn't do that too often. I I didn't do that needlessly. I only did that if the children were sick, there was a doctor dentist appointment, if something, a family obligation Or a neighbor, there was something emergent that had come up that needed to be done. So it's not something that you want to do frequently, but it is something that you have to allow yourself the ability to do. You have to say, you know, I did all I can today and, you know, God willing, tomorrow
1: will be a better day (laughs) than it is. (laughs) There's so much value, I think, in the structure that you've established and the priorities you've placed in order to be able to make full use of that flexibility, which is very necessary.
0: And I think one of the reasons that I chose Colby was for their syllabus. I really like that. That would help me and the children keep on track. Every day I wrote the date in at the top of the day of the week that we were on. And I would check off as we went along the different subjects and how much material that we accomplished. And I always recorded their grades in the book for that week on the side of the subject they were in. And so that way, if you did miss something, you could always go back to it. You knew where you are. So I think their syllabuses and all the information that they give you about their literature and their history, like would help orient me to where like, if I could always easily people say, well, how do you homeschool that many children, you know, all simultaneously and, and get that in? And are you spending enough time with each one? But I could go to the syllabus and lots of times before the year started, I would, you know, organize the books myself, actually, and put tabs on it so they knew each subject and arrange them. Like I said, it would be theology, math, and when they were younger, phonics and spelling and English and then history and science at the end. Um, I would be able to um, go back to where they were, read what they were working on. And so then I would know what they were working on. And I would be able to help them if they had a question or briefly give a synopsis of what they needed to do or answer a question that they might have. And so I think the syllabus is really one of the key things that I really liked having. I really, really liked having. And that aided me in being able to teach them and aided me in being able to teach so many children. I think that that was really significant.
1: I definitely find the course plan to be hugely helpful to me, and I, I have them organized a certain way. So, how do you organize yours then? For each of your children, would you have all those plans together, or would you have it perhaps by all the all the religion courses all together, all the history courses all together?
0: Yeah, I, they had their they each had their own binder. Now he's got a binder with a pocket in the front that I could put a particular saint that they liked, a picture of a particular saint in that pocket. But they all had their own binder. Um, and I always signed off each day at the top. I always put the date. I always looked over what they were doing, read the instructions if they needed me to, and then when they were younger, asked them a few questions what they were on, and then, like I said, when I would check their grades, sometimes that would be a little bit later at the end of the day. I would go back, and they would leave their books open for me with each subject, the first on the top, and the books, you know, other books at the bottom, and I would just Grade it, and check it off with Colby. So that's how I kind of arranged it in that order. That's a very common question. How do we organize these course plans? <laughs> yeah. yeah, the syllabus is great. It really is. It's um, I had used it, like I said, I, I did start off with a Christian program, but it just wasn't authentically Catholic. And they had everything start to finish. They even told you, like, on your first day, say, good morning, children. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> and their program actually came with a box of books and pens and pencils and everything you would need, but the Catholic aspect was just missing from it. Just that it was, um, you know, it just was missing that element that I wanted the children to
1: have. Sure. Sure. Of course, a lot of folks can relate to that here in this Colby audience. And then, so working through the syllabi and then tell me oh, yeah. about interacting with the Colby office.
0: Yeah, there there was a lot of times um, they got to know me through the years, and but I do think that they get to know everyone. What I found was at first I was like, you know, hesitant to contact them, fearful, diligently did my books. I was this young mom, wanted everything to get done right, sent off my grades. And I was surprised when I first got their grades back and they would write in detail, um, you know, feedback for the children. I thought that was really, really good. And it was then that I realized, you know, they are actually reading the materials. They are actually looking at the children's work, they are actually giving feedback. They're also giving me something that I might have missed, um, something that was helpful where a child might have been struggling one and I, I didn't see that. And so then more and more as the years developed, I would um if I needed to, I would reach out and they would contact me. Usually I'm um, on the East Coast, they're on the west. So I was conscious that there were a couple of hours. I would be, it would be first thing in the morning. But it would seem as soon as they got there, they, they, did, um, they did call me back and um, they would explain things. As computers became more in use, I had some difficulty with that. And I've always loved their book ordering and Nancy down in the book department, mm-hmm. <laughs> because one time ordering online was helpful when they initiated it, except I had some difficulty. I wasn't very computer savvy. and so Nancy was always there for me. I could call her up in, at one time. and when you order, say 10 children's books for the year, and also I had to coordinate it with the books that I had or books that had changed, so she would kind of help me with that. She was always there year to help me out. and she always got the books to us um, very quickly. When it came time for high school and they were going off to college, and we needed their transcripts and things like that, or if we needed something done by certain date, Colby was always available for that. You know, they were right on that aware that um, the children needed that by a certain deadline. So yeah, so they were definitely very
1: helpful. Wonderful. I share with you that hesitancy to call about things or email now about things and, and- and that's what they're there for, right? They're, they're yeah. <laughs> when I do, when I when I think to reach out sooner rather than later, it's so much more helpful. But, and and you're right about having another set of eyes on, on the schoolwork to pick up on things that aren't immediately apparent. Uh,
0: through the years, um, also I got to know um, some of the counselors, the advisors were there almost through a number of my children. And so I ended up sending a Christmas card every year <laughs> family a little update on what the family was doing and I would get response back and so I felt that I felt really good about that sometimes you can even go to a catholic school and not really feel that connectivity it is surprising that they were able to do that and like I said I'm on the east coast they're on the west coast there's a time lag in the time and it is a homeschool program but I did feel almost there was never a time when I didn't feel like the children weren't in school and we didn't have that structure and we didn't have that network. There was never a time that I didn't feel that.
1: I'm so glad to hear that's been your experience. There would
0: be one thing that um, I wanted to offer as a word of wisdom.
1: Great.
0: So um, I think it's just more as what I've seen as a parent than words of wisdom. But as a parent, um, we've been given a sacred trust. We can take nothing we acquire on earth in the next life, except if we live our vacation to the fullest, then there's the greatest chance that our children and their children will follow us into the next life in heaven. And that's something that St. Therese always looked forward to. She had four siblings that had died in early as babies, and she always felt that she would see her family in the next life. And so I think that's what our goal is. And I do have a Bible quote because I, I did have a minor in art. And so I would draw at times when the children were younger on the walls, mostly like Bible quotes, not all over the walls, but I would paint like in calligraphy on various areas like where our classroom was. And so but the Bible quote that's always stayed with me is Matthew six three three, which is seek ye first the kingdom of God and all these things shall be given unto you. So I think that's a Bible quote that I tried to raise my children um, to live by and that I tried to live by.
1: Wow, that's beautiful. You have given your children so much to take with them in their lives as adults, in this life and into the next. And so for sharing your experience with us and and all the families you've talked to through the years, thank you for doing that in this format today. Thank you so much, Mrs. Fayette. Thank you for having me. Mary, our mother, pray for us. St. Maximilian Kolbe, pray for us. Ad maiorem Dei gloriam.